1: even though i'm new to this building a bond with these dogs seems to be the number one thing because you can get them to do anything once you build a bond
2: do you have trouble physically making it through long hunts is your dog always giving you that angry look telling you to keep up you train your dog but now it's time to train yourself rocky mountain hunt strong is the company for any hunter that is looking for an effective fitness routine to get healthier and be able to hunt longer and harder. This company has merged fitness and the passion of hunting to help people like you and me continue to do what we love. From the Rockies to the Smokies and every field of prairie in between, this company can get you ready to go longer, cover more ground, and recover quicker. Go to Rocky and see their program for yourself. Use the discount code GDIY to save 15% and get to work. Train harder, hunt stronger, and recover faster.
0: And welcome back to another week of GDIY, everybody. Me and Adam are here to come at you with an episode on turkey dogs.
2: Yeah, buddy. Uh, had a lot of fun hearing about turkey dogs. Really interesting <laughs> uh, method of hunting turkeys. Not a lot of people do it, but there's a lot of tradition involved with it.
0: Yeah, it's something that's uh, a little different. We're not really used to it i've never had the luxury of trying it out but we thought with turkey season coming in to play for everybody even though we know turkey dogs aren't allowed in springtime anywhere and then in the fall there's not even a whole lot of states that allow it in the fall but it's something different you don't hear about it a lot and it's kind of neat because they use bird dogs essentially for this they make their own bird dogs and kind of their own recipe and and, yeah. and secrets developing their turkey dogs and it's just kind of something neat to talk about yeah we a don't different. want to
2: spoil it too much but uh it's it's very interesting the the dogs they use the method they use just there's a lot of rich tradition behind it and i think that's the the thing that people don't know they just think that it's this crazy thing but there's a lot of tradition behind it it's really cool yeah. nick what's been going on with you this week
0: Oh, uh, not a whole lot man just life is crazy you know we're trying to sell the house we're trying to train dogs we got work we got this crazy podcast thing going on i'm yep. i'm a little slammed right now yeah but, i hear you, man uh, but yeah i'm still trying to get the dog work in when i can we have a training day coming up and uh yeah, it's just one day at a time trying to knock out everything that I can.
2: Yeah, I went down to uh, Florida last weekend, did some fishing. Yeah, And I want to give the uh, the NAVDA Palmetto chapter a big shout out because I went by the test, had some undesirable fishing weather. So I went by there uh, Saturday morning and uh, we weren't dressed looking like bird dog people at all. Redneck yep. fishermen. Yeah, no one knows who we are. But within three minutes, we were wearing orange and we were going out with a guy that was running his dog through utility. I mean, someone immediately came up and met us, asked if we wanted to go out with the handler and we said.
0: They rolled out the orange carpet. They
2: really did. Uh, And it was just amazing. So I I told Bill down there with the Palmetto chapter, like, man, this is, in my mind, this is what NAVDA is supposed to look like. Here's two guys we don't know. Let's get them involved. Yeah. Put some orange on and the handler said it's okay, you're going.
0: Yeah.
2: Um so it was a really cool experience uh to do that. And I, I think that chapter's got some great stuff going on, really nice yeah. grounds and just the family
0: reunion type uh environment yeah. was awesome. I mean it's always fun getting out and talking to fellow Navda people that you've never met, but it it seems to be be the norm. When you go go to new chapters and new areas, it's you're still dealing with with people that share the same passion as you could be completely different on a regular day basis but you get them around dogs and what we love to do everybody's real similar and um uh, yeah i mean i didn't get to go to a nav to test or anything like that i actually did a guide hunt out of preserve uh yeah here, local here in tennessee and so that was fun i mean i did a lot more of that last year and, and i kind of kind of got to where I realized I was passing up hunting opportunities and, and trip right. opportunities to, to guide. And while it was kind of neat, you make a little bit of cash, you get to work your dogs on birds, kind of. Yeah. Uh, it, it I realized that's not what I got into it for, but with the season over, they called and was like, Hey, we have a guy that needs, needs a guide. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm there. And then I show up and apparently the buggy was down and they're like, here, use this 57 Chevy truck to go plant birds. And I'm like, <laughs> are you serious? And he's like, yeah. So I got it. and I'm so sitting cool. there driving through a field in a 57 pickup truck. And so that was kind of neat. And then always getting to work with people that don't have dogs and your dog on the worst day is, looks great. looks great to anybody that yeah. doesn't know any better. And so it's always fun getting out there and and uh just kind of showing some people your dogs and and stuff like that but that's but, yeah. cool
2: man i'm uh i'm excited to get to this turkey dog episode uh, I told adam blair down there at the palmetto chapter that i'd compliment the great shot he
0: made on the pheasant uh so <laughs> here you go adam this is for you buddy <laughs> so yeah i mean we'll, we'll get to the episode in a second but you got a couple weeks left we still have that giveaway going on with Hunt Ready Gunner and Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong. I'm not going to break down everything that's available in that. If you're if you're if you haven't heard it before, go to Instagram, Facebook, check out the post. It's a big giveaway, but if you've heard the previous episodes, I'm not going to bore you to death saying the same giveaway over and over again. It's a huge giveaway. Yeah, it, it, I wish I could enter it and yeah. you know, maybe it, <laughs> have some kind of way where I could pull my name and everybody yep. not call BS on it. But uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, so, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no
0: kidding. So go check that out. Follow the instructions on the post. If you want more opportunities to win, go to patreon.com forward slash gundog it yourself. Sign up for it. You get more names in the hat. Uh, we match every dollar with another opportunity for you to get your name drawn. And I'm really hoping that the patron, one of the Patreon guys gets to win at this time. Yeah. Um, so let me, let me break that down for the folks that are like, how do
2: I go to Patreon? Because I get that question <laughs> sometimes. You Google Patreon, and then when the page comes up, there's three little bars on the top right. You click that, and you search, gun Dog" it yourself. Yep. Follow your nose from there, and we've got some different tiers on there, but every and, dollar gets another name in the hat.
0: And, and when you sign up, you're going to get an automatic response from us. It tells you, hey, if you want a GDIY sticker, send me your address i'm gonna get it in the mail to you but you'd be surprised how much many... you were hand delivering those things nick Nah, i mean we... <laughs> yeah at the start but you know i think we got a little too big time <laughs> yeah. for that but uh that's right but yeah i've had a few people sign up and they'll see like a somebody post on instagram story or something the sticker and they're like how do i get a sticker i'm like follow the instructions on the email that you got that's right uh, so yeah it's it's uh the stickers are for patreon users the the real supporters of this podcast that's right the freeloaders don't get a sticker (laughs) but uh yeah so go check that out i want to thank everybody who last week took took uh my request for rating reviewing and sharing the podcast it really helps us out a lot uh so if you haven't done so please five star rate type up a review, give us feedback, let us know how we're doing, how you want us to improve and all that stuff and, and hit that fancy subscribe button on the podcast. Okay. Just subscribe. It automatically downloads to your phone. Even if it's a conversation or a topic you don't want to hear about, you can always delete it and come back next week. You'll see what topic we have next week. Just hit that subscribe button and it'll go a long way. And, I think that's all the housekeeping we need to touch on. I think I did a big enough infomercial last week on by myself. So Yeah, for sure. Turkey dogs. Here we go. Here we go. Enjoy. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double-wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you could need from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, and even tie-down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. All right, me and Adam are joined this week with Steve Kinder. We're talking turkey dogs. Steve, how are you doing tonight?
1: Good. How are you guys doing?
0: Living the dream. Can't complain over here. Yeah, doing good. So I guess to start with the obvious, where we start every time, is uh, tell us where you're coming from.
1: Um, I live in uh, Hermitage, Pennsylvania in Mercer County, which is very far western Pennsylvania. Um, The town that I live in is kind of pushed right up against the Ohio state line. Um, I'd say I'm probably about 10 minutes uh, from Ohio. All
0: right. So how long have you been hunting?
1: I was very fortunate. Um, I grew up in an outdoor family. And uh, back then the fur industry was really big. And my family were trappers, so at a very young age of six, I was actually introduced into the woods on a trap line and Of course, you know fishing kind of followed along um, at age eight years old, I had my own trap line uh you know of course, back then, times were different, and kids had a lot more free range and uh, I was very fortunate um, <clears throat> at age twelve, which was the legal age back then for uh, Pennsylvania residents. That's when I actually began hunting per se,
2: man. That's really cool out there in the woods at eight years old trapping by yourself. So would you come home from school and go check all your traps?
1: Yeah, I checked them before school and after school. You know, I I was very, I honestly was very fortunate to grow up that way. And it kind of led to where I'm at, you know, in today's world, as far as the outdoors yeah, you're definitely fortunate
2: for that. So we brought you on to talk about turkey dogs. What other kind of hunting do you do as well? Do you do some deer hunting and
1: stuff? Um, up until uh, the the turkey dog thing, I actually hunted a, just about everything in Pennsylvania. Um, I was always an avid small game hunter. I had beagles for a very long time, um, through like age through my ages of twenties and and early thirties. I kept a kind of rabbit dogs always squirrel hunted, deer hunted, archery hunted, um, a little bit of bear hunting. Uh, I pretty much tried to stay outdoors. I mean, you know, like I said before, I I was fortunate to grow up that way. And I just kind of fell into the out, you know, in my adult life, I kind of fell into the same lifestyle.
2: And then once you started turkey hunting with dogs, it sounded like you got hooked. So tell us how it works.
1: A couple years ago, once I was introduced to Turkey dogs, Um, I kind of fell out of the deer scene and I I fell out of my normal routine. I mean, I, it was literally an instant addiction.
0: (laughs) So it rewired you, huh?
1: Yeah. There's no other way to describe it. I I literally became instantly addicted to it because I was already an avid turkey hunter. And once I went on a, a successful dog hunt, it literally ruined me. (laughs) there's no doubt about that
0: (laughs) so how long ago was this that you got hooked on your turkey dogs
1: well to be honest with you the very first time i went was about 16 or 17 years ago and a friend that i have over in ohio across the line invited myself and my uh, niece at the time she was maybe 10 or 11 years old then and he invited us over, and we took her on a turkey dog hunt. Now, this was something that I had never done. Um, I'd only heard about it through very limited magazine articles and, of course, talking to him, knowing him, knowing that he had a turkey dog. Um, we didn't have a successful hunt, and life went on. And, you know, I just kept turkey hunting the usual way that I was doing and stuff. And then three years ago, a guy came from the other side of Pennsylvania, and brought his two turkey dogs over on the last day of our season here. And we had a successful hunt. And, I mean, to be honest with you, I literally was addicted that day. It, it just, something clicked inside of me, and I knew that, I, that it was my time to get into turkey dogs. Prior to that, I probably would have been into it, but unfortunately I was a single parent, and I didn't have the time frame to, to put into raising a dog or training a dog or I probably would have been into it a little bit sooner.
2: That makes sense. So turkey hunting with dogs, if everything lines up perfectly, the turkeys uh, cooperate with you and do what they're supposed to do. And your dog does what it's supposed to do. What's that look like?
1: Oh man. It's one of those things where you either, you either get it or you don't get it. Um, on a, on a great hunt, you know, obviously we're hunting in woods where we already know there's more than likely turkeys, you know, we're not just going in. I, I try not to go into just blind woods, you know, where I'm guessing there may or may not be. Um, I mean, we're out to kill a Turkey right? plain and simple. Uh, uh and we're out to have our dogs get on turkeys because that's what they want to do. You know, So uh, we kind of cut to the chase. I mean, I really do a lot of scouting. I have a lot of friends that will tell me where turkeys are at and stuff like that. And it's basically, you know, you you hop into the woods and you cut your dog loose and you have a predetermined route that you're going to take and where you think the birds are at and you just let the dogs go and let, let them do their thing.
0: Okay. So describe what, the turkey dog is actually doing like what? What's a ideal finished turkey dog? What are they looking for? How are they working? Just describe to us what when you're training a dog, what are you aiming for?
1: You know, a really good turkey dog, he he or she's going to range a hundred to say three hundred yards, and they do big circles in the woods more times than not. Um, as they grow, of course, they'll learn to use the wind a little bit more but they're looking for turkeys either by sight or by scent and you're just walking you don't have to be quiet you know you can talk to your buddy if, if he's with you you can talk on your phone you know you can text if you want to you're just you're going through the woods and the dog is literally out just pounding the woods doing circles um they'll do they'll backtrack a little bit they'll 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 come find you, they'll check in, and then they take off again. And it it's not, I think a lot of people think that it's like pheasant hunting with a dog, and it's totally different. You know, it's very fast-paced. Um, I have found, personally, with my dogs, the faster I walk, the better they hunt, and the more ground they obviously cover.
0: Okay, so it sounds like you're kind of, like you said, it, it sounds a lot like pheasant hunting or, or another upland hunting, but... People aren't really familiar with turkey dogs. So, so what are the main differences from the upland hunting and the turkey dog? So say they're ranging out, they're looking for the turkey. What do they do when you find a turkey?
1: When, when, a, when, a, when the dog finds the birds, <laughs> it's going to start barking and start chasing. And it, it's a sight to see. And it's a, it's really a sight to hear, you know, cause a lot of times you don't actually get to see it per se, But you'll see the turkeys flying. You'll see the turkeys running past you. Um, It's really pure havoc (laughs) at times. Um, I'm fortunate to have a dog that barks a lot when she gets on turkeys. And once they make that initial break, you're going to have birds that run off. And a really good turkey dog is going to go and find, we call them runners. They'll go and search out all those single runners and put them into the air, no matter where they went to.
2: That's impressive. So you you want it to be total chaos. I mean, I'm hearing this, and I'm thinking if my dog did that on an upland bird, I would be pretty upset that he's busting birds up, but you want him to go bust the birds up.
1: Yes, And, and it's funny you say that because that's how turkey dogs are derived. They are actually outcast bird dogs. They are dogs that wouldn't hold point, and they are dogs that barked on game whenever it was flushed and, you know, and they chased them.
2: And that's exactly what you're looking for.
1: Yeah. And that's how Turkey, that's how Turkey dog breeds, you know, came to be, you know, guys that were long ago that that were in States that had legal Turkey dogging. That's what they looked for. They looked for outcast bird dogs and they took these dogs and they crossbred them with other bird dogs and essentially you know, here comes what the generic name is, a turkey dog.
0: Okay. So do you all have like set breeds or is it still just kind of a mix of everything and they just call them turkey dogs?
1: Um, my, what I, I particularly have a dog, uh, a bloodline from Richard Rose out of Virginia. They're called droppers and it seems like from whatever state they're born into, that's what they call them. So mine would be a Virginia dropper. Um, Um my particular dogs are irish setter english setter english pointer and they've been bred for over 40 years i don't know how long it takes to start a breed you know what i mean but <laughs> yeah. this guy's been doing it for you know quite a while and you know they they're they are what they are they're they're three different bird dogs rolled into one nowadays that's
0: fascinating so he's kind of established his own own, own input into the line I guess you can say by mixing multiple different breeds to get the dog that he wants uh I want to back up and go back to the hunting and so once you you said that the dog is going and they're breaking up the bird and a runner breaks off and they try and get it in there. are you actually shooting it on the flush like you would an upland bird or are you having the dog run them off and then kind of picking which bird you want to go after and play that bird
1: Um, I don't I particularly don't shoot on the flush Um, there are guys that do Um, if you go enough you'll definitely have an opportunity to you know Um, I try to play it the safe way Uh, the dogs that that we have are fast and it really only takes a blink of an eye and they would be up on that turkey so we just let them go and flush them and let them fly and then we would go in and read our GPS unit, find the original break. And we set up and then call the birds back in.
0: And so, so you're just setting up where the, the birds took flight and you're just essentially kind of picture it as a callback, callback box and with quail or something, you're just trying to call them back saying, Hey, it's okay. Come back. And then you yep. shot the bird. Okay.
1: Exactly. Exactly. We are, you know, we train our dogs to sit between our legs. And they're under a cover, obviously, because, you know, like the particular dogs I have are mostly white, you know, so definitely the turkeys would be able to see them or another hunter would see them and possibly, you know, mistake you for a bird or whatever. So they're covered with a a camouflage cover and they sit between our legs and we call birds back in and, you know, hopefully take a shot. And then we let the dog loose and, you know, let, let them go get a flopping turkey.
2: That's pretty neat. You said that these are basically Outcast like upland bird dogs, um, yes. but then you've got to take them from busting up a flock of turkeys one minute to sitting still between your legs the next. How do you train for that?
1: Oh, that, it's funny <laughs> you ask that because <laughs> with my first, I, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of go back a little bit. With my first dog, with my oldest dog that I have now, I didn't do any in-house training for it, and I decided, well, I'll train during the season. Um, he's a hundred mile an hour dog. And when she got her first kill, she was seven months old. Um, I actually had help from a buddy, thankfully. (laughs) And, uh, it was a sight to behold to, I always, I called her the Pennsylvania tornado because that's what it was like holding her. (laughs) You know, she was just wild as wild could be on that aspect of it. But, For now, what we're doing, and I do have a new puppy at the time, at this time right now, he's 13 weeks old. We're actually training in the house, and we call it bag training. And uh, what we do is, whenever he's running around the house for a half hour going all crazy and being a puppy and stuff, either myself or my girlfriend snatches them out, and we set them down, and we put them under a cover, and we make them stay. And he'll fight a little bit, and then he'll give a big deep breath, and then he lays his head down, and he'll go to sleep. Even at 13 weeks old right now, we're getting 30 minutes to 45 minutes of him sitting perfectly still between our legs after going like a maniac.
2: Oh, my goodness. That's awesome.
1: I know it's different because there's not turkeys involved, but what you're doing is trying to build that foundation for when there are turkeys involved. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: when there's turkeys involved and you get them out to the woods, it's not the first time that they've been covered up and expected to sit still. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly.
0: So I want to talk more about this bag because I know what little information that I've heard about turkey dogs over the years. And it's not that much because not every state it's open to hunting turkey with dogs, but it's real fascinating and not a lot of people do it, but I've always heard about this bag. And you're the first one that I've heard about people uh, letting their dogs range and search out the turkeys kind of like you would on an upland hunt. I've always heard of the guys that almost, I think they just carry their dog in a duffel bag or, or a backpack or something all the way out to where they come across turkeys. Then they let the dog out and bust them up. And then the dog runs back over into the bag. So is that another way of doing it different than your yourself and describe the bag I know you said that the cover are you using an, an actual just blanket in the field, or are you using an actual bag
1: with with my older dog last year, we used a piece of camouflage burlap, and that's what she was comfortable with. um I used a larger piece, you know maybe five foot by five foot piece and basically just put it over and I could set my legs over top of it and kind of keep her pinned down. You know what I'm doing right now with the puppy though, I'm actually using a, a mesh bag, a mesh decoy bag that's zippered. Um Come this fall, I'm going to have to sit two dogs and being that I'm kind of new to this sport as it is sitting one, I'm looking for a little bit of an advantage, you know, sitting two and When you use a bag, you know, you put them in there and you zip them up. Of course, they're a little bit, they're a lot more contained than of just using a cover, you know, because with a cover, they're going to be able to swirl around a little bit and and turn around and stuff like that. And if you have a young dog, of course, that could lead to, you know, spook turkeys down the road. Um, It's just something, it's called, it's repetition that they pick up on it. These dogs are super smart. You know, they may be mutts to people's eye you know in some people's eyes um the turkey dog guy though you know they're as purebred as anything and they're super smart you know that that's kind of how we think about it
2: well i was just gonna say sometimes it sounds like the dog probably can't see out of the bag and maybe if it's in a mesh bag it can so i'm wondering about when you shoot a turkey it doesn't really have a clue that that's about to happen do you have any issues with gun shyness or do you train for
1: it um, I do, I do shoot. Um, I start out with a 22 pistol, you know, at like three or four months old when we're out in the woods, you know, okay. and, and they might be off 50 yards or so I go ahead and, and fire it. Um, of course, since we brought, you know, when you bring a puppy home, when they're feeding, we bang pots and pans together, you know, kind of the old school approach to get them used to loud noises and stuff. Yeah. Sure. And we just kind of follow through as they get older, um, my older dog, which will be two years old at the end of March. Uh, she's last year, she had 20, some shots fired over her, you know, while she's sitting and, uh, there's absolutely no issue. She knows when that gun goes off that, you know, there's a, hopefully a Turkey (laughs) flopping around, um, and they just pick up on it. They do. Back to the thing where they're super smart. It it only takes a couple times, and these dogs pick up on that routine.
0: Yeah. So I mean, obviously, like you just said, if you introduce the the gunfire like you should slowly and and methodically, then you shouldn't have any issue. And and it's the same across all dog breeds. Mm -hmm. Besides gun safety, and besides is getting them used to sitting at your feet for long periods of time is there anything else that you're working on with the dogs when they're young, any kind of basic obedience that comes into handy? I mean, obviously you're going to do recall, but is there anything that directly lends itself to the, to the hunt?
1: You know, that's kind of, I don't know. I wouldn't say I know how to answer that, but we start out with basic obedience. You know, it's, it's come, sit, stay and get them to know their name right off the bat. I mean, we, start doing that from day one as soon as, as soon as they're comfortable you know in the home um from there i don't really do any i'm not doing any kind of turkey type training as far as with the wing until you know they actually know their name and then it seems to me like it makes it a lot more easier to associate you know that you're going turkey hunting and this is what you want to chase after and you know when you when they're out there in the woods like i'll hide a wing out behind the log or something. And then when they get it, you know, and I call their name, hopefully they're going to bring it back to me. It It's just kind of like building that bond type thing. Um, I'm real even though I'm new to this, building a bond with these dogs seems to be the number one thing because you can get them to do anything once you build the bond.
2: That's the same for an upland dog or duck dog. In my opinion is right. Basic obedience, building a bond, now, when the turkey dog busts up a flock, it's it's going to be all out running and barking, which is something you want. Do you have any issues with the dog chasing deer because if you can't see it, I'd imagine I mean that's the same thing they do when they're chasing deer and you probably don't want that. How do you how do you remedy that?
1: Uh well, it's just it's I mean, basically I think everybody has their own ideas on breaking their dogs from deer. Um
2: yeah, I guess I'm I'm wondering how how you know if it's running a deer
1: because Well, deer are straight line. Okay. You know on a GPS, 9 out of 10 times they're going to be straight line. Um a lot of times I know with with my older dog, I saw the deer. You know, the deer would wait and jump up right in front of her. So you were able to see him and then of course we run we run alpha uh 100s and you know, track and train and, and, you know, you can do what you got to do as far as a little electric shock on them and stuff and, uh, break them that way. Or, you know, what I did with mine, I took her out in the summertime and I purposely put her on deer and see if she would chase them and then correct it if she does. Right. Um, one thing you don't want to ever do is, if you don't know what it is, you definitely don't want to shock them. Um, there are instances where adult gobblers love to run and they'll run a straight line. And if you happen to get into that situation where, man, I don't know if this is a deer or, you know, I know that it, there's adult gobblers in this area or something, you're just going to probably want to let that time pass. Yeah, um, just play it safe. The, yeah, you just want to play it safe on that. Um, <clears throat> You know, they want to chase birds. Um I know with my older one growing up, you know, of course if she saw a squirrel, she wanted to give chase to it. Uh if a chipmunk jumped off a log, whatever. But they're (laughs) puppies, you know. She she hunted at seven months old, so you can start your corrections, you know, if you have that right time frame of you know, of a puppy age, you know, you can start your corrections accordingly. Yeah.
0: So is there anything else? I mean, obviously you're breaking them off deer, you're breaking them off fur. Is there anything else uh, besides turkey hunting that you do with your dogs? Or is, is it primarily just turkey dogs with you?
1: I do pheasant hunt with my older dog. Um, I can't say that I trained her on pheasants. <laughs> I just happen to be lucky that she's not real fond of thick cover, so she hunts really close. Okay. And it just kind of coincides and she loves to chase birds. So I'm not going to, I'm personally not going to take that away from her. And, yeah. you know, in Pennsylvania, we have a big stalking program for pheasants. Yeah. So it does kind of make up, you know, there are some easy birds out there. So, I mean, I do, her first hunt was actually a pheasant hunt and it was a youth hunt in Pennsylvania two years ago. That's the first time my turkey dog was ever out in the woods over guns. And and it was a pheasant hunt. Some guys do it and, you know, and and other guys don't. It's just, you know, whatever preference they want.
0: So I'm assuming that if you're pheasant hunting with them, they're pretty much hunting like a flushing dog. You're not trying to get them to point a pheasant and then not flush a turkey.
1: (laughs) He barks and chases pheasants just like turkeys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why not? I mean, if you're going to do it on turkeys, you might as well do it on pheasants too. Right. It makes all the sense in the world. So explain to us why you don't hear so much about Turkey dogs. Like what it it seems to be, like I already said that not every state it's open to allowing you to do it. We know that portion, but there seems to be kind of a secret underground to Turkey dogs. Tell us about that.
1: There, there definitely is. It's almost cult. Like I've talked to a few of the older guys and that's the word they use you know it's it's a it's a cult um in talking to my buddies you know they about the only thing we could ever come up with for an answer for that was if you go back you know 50 60 years ago there was not a lot of turkeys all right and <clears throat> the places that allowed turkey dogs to be used in the fall you know were a lot less than what they are now but when you were hunting turkeys back then if you found some you just didn't tell anybody about it you know you didn't want competition so we kind of think that you know maybe way back then anything you did to harvest a turkey you just kept quiet about and for whatever reason it just kind of carried over you know with the dogs even though i mean there are historical documents out there that will say that turkey dogs have been in use for hundreds of years in this country Um, as far as modern day times, you know, the, the secrecy seems to have carried over, you know, from lack of game back in the day, that that's about the only thing that we could ever come up with, you know, for an answer on that.
2: That makes sense. Uh, You know, I think a lot of game species are that way where if it's limited, you don't want to share it with the world that you found something. You don't want to give everyone your location of where your where your game species is. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, I had a friend in Virginia that was running a, I guess it's a Virginia dropper from what you said. I think it was a setter pointer mix and he had it as a Turkey dog and it would point Woodcock. You know, he didn't want it to point birds. He wanted it to go in and bust birds up like you're talking about. Um, does your dog point other birds like that as well?
1: My older dog will point Woodcock. Okay, and I don't know. I the only thing I can think of is because they have that really peculiar peculiar smell to them. Sure, and that that's the only that's the only thing I can come up with. But she uh, she has definitely pointed woodcock before <laughs> um, in open timber and stuff around here. Because where I live at, we do get a flight pattern about sure. the time you know fall turkey season's in, so we do see woodcock come through this part of Pennsylvania.
2: Yeah, it worked out pretty well. He, he would tell me where all the woodcock were and he didn't want to run, but I did. And I'd tell him where the turkeys were So kind of share with each other. What do you do when your dog points a woodcock? Do you just keep on going and ignore it or do you, I
1: just keep going. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, and she'll put it up and she'll bark and chase at it. And of course those things don't fly very far. Um, and being that they're small, she kind of loses track of it. And then I just kind of call her off of it. I don't ever discourage, um, my dog from chasing any type of bird. You know, if it flies, it dies. That's kind of a motto with Turkey doggers. Um, definitely for new, anybody new that would listen to this, that's something they got to remember. If it's a bird, let your dog chase it.
0: Yeah. Don't scare them off anything with feathers. I mean, why, why right. would you, especially if you're, If you're wanting your dog to flush pheasants, turkeys, whatever, then it's no big deal to, you're not going to get onto them because they don't point all of a sudden. Yeah. Let them flush it. Yeah. So walk us through some of your memorable hunts. Let's get a good feel for your turkey dogs and, and what made you fall in love with it. Tell us some good hunt stories.
1: Well, last year I was fortunate enough to be invited up to Ontario, Canada. And I happened to invite a buddy of mine who has a sister to my dog and, uh, we made the seven and a half hour drive and, uh, crossed the border. It was a little bit tight, you know, getting your guns across there. That was something new. Um, and we did it, you know, <laughs> of course at like three thirty in the morning, which made it even kind of more worse because the guys were grumpy at the border and whatnot, but, uh, we rolled into my Yeah, we rolled into my buddy's place there and, uh, you know we let it get daylight and he took us out to uh some private land that he has and you know we just kind of drove around the fields looking in there first didn't see anything and uh got a game plan ahead and you know what like what i was saying before i always try to have a predetermined route you know where we're going to walk and uh he already had it laid out for us and what we're going to do and uh we cut the dogs loose and just let them start hunting um I had a little bit of uh, a worry, you know, with such a long ride, how the dogs would do, especially since they're younger. And, uh, they just kind of worked through it, you know, and, and they didn't have really have much of a problem. We hunted a patch of woods and, uh, didn't do any good on it. And we ended up turning back around the other side and my buddy's dog, uh, her name's Dell, She got into birds and started breaking them, and we went back up, and I took got my dog in there and got her into where the birds were at, and she started breaking birds, and we sat down, and everything was going good, and the mother of all rainstorms came in and high winds, and in, in my particular life, I have terrible luck calling birds back in on that and uh it was kind of defeating you know because you made that long trip you got a good break right off the bat and now all of a sudden the weather just craps out on you so scrapped that hunt after an hour we were soaking wet uh we went and checked a couple other spots didn't find any birds went back across the river pretty much on the same property and uh my buddy's dog once again got in on the birds first and we had birds flying all all the way around us um took my dog up the other end where some birds landed got those birds flushed and then set up now this was late in the afternoon it was like 3 30. and we set up uh i set up close to my canadian friend keith fowler and dylan cole set up maybe he was probably 20 yards from us watching the other way and i did all the calling and it wasn't long we had an answer and it was on Dylan's side, and the bird played its part and come in, and he took the shot and, uh, you know, collected his first Canadian Eastern. We let the dogs up. The dogs celebrated a little bit, and uh, I'd say 10 or 15 minutes later, got set back down and uh, got an instant answer again, this time coming right down my gun barrel. Uh, I mean, the problem is my dog was all jacked up. And just about the time the birds were stepping in the gun range, one broke a stick and my dog decided to wiggle her way out and stuck her head up and the birds saw and, of course, spooked. They ran off. Um, we messed around a little bit, got some more answers. We had some birds fly in. They didn't come into gun range. And now it's kind of later in the evening, you know, and we decided, okay, we're just going to head on out and uh, we'll come back here in the morning. So we get back out to this railroad grade that we'd parked our trucks on. And I told the guys, I was like, Hey, let me call from here one time and let's see what happens. I was cut off by a hen. He happened to be on the other side of the railroad grade where we didn't have permission to hunt. So she was close and, uh, I gave it maybe 20 seconds or so. I called again and she was heading our way. So Instantly, Dylan and I had to grab our dogs, which are young, mind you. We crawled down the railroad grade. We The dogs instantly sat down. We put a cover over them. They have no idea what's going on, you know, at this point. And they sat perfectly still. I did some calling, and the bird stepped out between us and the pickup trucks and pretty much ran right down in. And uh, my friend Keith was able to take a shot. And uh turns out to be a really beautiful bearded hen that he ended up you know sending to the taxidermist um, you know bottom line of the story is if you spend enough time with your dogs, you can get them to do stuff like that. I was super impressed with two young dogs being able to be able to be sat in a in- i mean they had two seconds to sit down and curl up in a ball and let us cover' them up and you know, this action, it took me longer to tell a story, you know, than it did for that hunt to take place. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I, I give credit to my buddy Dylan, you know, he puts as much time in as, as I do. And, uh, it definitely shows.
0: Well, listening to that story, I actually got two questions for you on this. Number one. So obviously in the fall, most of these states that allow hunting in the fall, you're allowed to shoot a hen in addition to, uh, a Tom, When you're actually hunting, do you try and go after one or the other? Or is it pretty much just what comes in front of you? You're, you're shooting and throwing in the smoker.
1: Yeah. Whatever for me and anybody that hunts with me, it's whatever Turkey, you know, is presented to you.
0: Okay. All right. And then the next question that I have, so you just walked through that whole hunt and that sounded like a lot of fun. Has this ruined you on spring turkey season when you're not allowed to use dogs?
1: It most certainly has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I the last two years have been a very big struggle for me to go spring turkey hunting. I still go, don't get me wrong, and I still fill my tags, but it's just not the same.
2: That's interesting it's because not the same. a lot of people that uh that get that turkey hunting bug they kind of give up on other hunting or they really look forward to the spring, you know, hardcore deer hunters are like, yeah, I guess spring Turkey hunting will hold me over till the next deer season. But there are guys that are diehard spring Turkey hunters. So it's interesting that the hunting with dogs has pulled you even away from that.
1: Yeah. I, I, I was told that there was a chance it might, and it does happen to other people and it definitely happened to me.
0: So, you have your dogs, but you also make your own calls, correct Yes, so tell us about that what kind of calls are you making Is there one particular that you prefer over the others? Is it a mouth call a box call what What are you making over there
1: i I strictly make diaphragm calls I have for about i think this is twenty four years now i think i've made I've made my own diaphragm calls um I was a I mean i started turkey hunting at age 19 and after you know several years of of getting proficient at it you know and using store-bought calls and whatnot i just kind of fell into wanting to make my own and uh it just progressed and it turned into a small hobby and then for several years it was a small business you know and then now kind of these days here i'm back to just a hobby part of it
0: okay so you're not selling them any longer
1: yeah i still sell them i just don't push them like i used to okay um i changed careers a few years ago and then once i got out of my i was in masonry for my whole adult my whole adult life once i got out of masonry and laying brick and block and stuff and i got a regular job that's you know monday through friday guaranteed and stuff I just kind of fell back and and didn't have to sell calls anymore, you know, to supplement my income. Um, I still have a lot of long term customers and stuff that I sell to. And I mean, even today, you know, I still have new guys that, you know, that hear about me or have heard about me and stuff and want to try, try the stuff I'm making. And, uh, you know, I get orders from them, but I definitely, I don't push them anymore. I I used to run a website. Um, Kind of, I deleted that, I think a year ago, kind of got out of that and then, uh, just doing it for fun now.
0: So is there anywhere that you want people to find you? I mean, we're going to tag you in the normal social media stuff, but say somebody wants to talk to you about the, the turkey calls you make a little bit more, or maybe even turkey dogs in general. Is there a place that they can find you?
1: Um, pretty much just my regular Facebook page. Um, that, that, that'd be the easiest. Um. I used to run a, a Facebook page specifically, you know, just for those calls and whatnot. But like I said, once I went back to the hobby thing, I just kind of got rid of every, you know, all the other aspects of it.
2: Hey, real quick. I'm interested to know some of the tradition uh, with Turkey hunting, like the the guy that I met in Virginia, they had certain types of clothes they would wear. Are you, are you big into that or do you just wear whatever you want? I mean,
1: obviously in Turkey hunting, it's, it's camouflage and sure. whatnot. Um, once I started running a turkey dog, I really went back to street clothes. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I wear just earth tone, you know, street clothes, bib overalls that are tan. You know, maybe an olive drab shirt. Um, you might catch me in in a, in a button, you know, a, a button up camo shirt, but I'll have brown jeans on or something like that, and and work boots. Um, it's just one of those things. Cause when you're training your dog, you know, obviously you're not dressed up in full hunting gear. You're, you're just kind of in your everyday clothes and, uh, it just kind of catches on. And if you look back there, there's a lot of old pictures on the internet with, with guys, with turkey dogs and, and dead turkeys, and they're just in regular clothes. And I guess it just kind of, you know, kind of catches up and, and, you know, it just kind of follow falls by the wayside. And, you know, when you're out with your dog so much and in regular stuff, you just kind of end up hunting in it too.
2: Yeah. I always thought Turkey hunting, you needed to be full camo, cover your face and all that. And the gentleman that, that I hunted with some in Virginia, he, he refused to wear camouflage. He said that it was right. Traditional to wear drab colored clothes and a plaid. He'd always have some sort of plaid on, but it was, yeah. you know, a big tradition for him.
1: Right. And, and I know, I know a bunch of other guys that kind of do the same as, as I do. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it just, it probably boils down to whatever you, you know, get used to or, or pick up on. I mean, can't say that I did it on purpose. It just, you know, I put a lot of time in the woods training my first one and It just seemed like, you know, that was the thing to do and that's what I was comfortable in. And it definitely, I've had no ill effects as far as turkey hunting goes, you know, as far as them seeing me or whatnot. I mean, if you can keep a hundred mile an hour dog between your legs, you know, you pretty much can wear anything in my opinion. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of how I look at it.
0: Well, but before we close this out, cause I didn't know anything about the clothes. I, I was looking at Adam like, really you different. You, you work camo for Turkey. You got to keep I'm... you on your toes, Nick. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> is there anything else that is kind of unique to Turkey dogs that we haven't covered before that you want to touch on before, before we wrap this up? Is there just something that we're missing out on?
1: Maybe back to, you know, the secrecy of it. I mean, I'd like to give a little shout out to a couple of guys that have helped me you know in my journey i i kind of think they deserve a little bit of attention on it um they're definitely great advocates you know for the sport you know and down the road maybe somebody has a problem with a turkey dog i know these guys would definitely help them out you know if if you'd like to uh touch on that yeah go ahead um you know getting started in this uh you know i i had beagles my whole life so having a bird dog, I was, I won't say I was lost, but I maybe probably kind of was That's on different, that. And different I games. expected a lot more. Yeah. It's a whole different ball game. Um, there's some guys out there. Uh, one, Nick Delasio. He lives on the other side of Pennsylvania. Uh, he does a good job with his Turkey dog. He, he was more than willing to help me, you know, in my frustrations, you know, bringing up my first one as a pup. Um, he, he said something to me that made a whole lot of sense. And he goes, you know, you learn to hunt with what you have. And that plays into a lot, of, a lot of my success, honestly, that was really, really strong, great advice, you know, because every dog's going to be different. And once you figure that out and, and you put your, you know, you put your mind into what you have, you know, then of course that hunting aspect of it's going to be a whole lot easier you know, and you're going to get, you know, a lot more turkeys at the end of the day. In my opinion,
0: I think that's great advice for dogs across all types of hunting. Yep.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, a buddy of mine, Kenny Nisley in Tennessee, uh, he's had, he has a turkey dog for quite a while now. I believe he had triple digit kills with his, uh, through his dog's career. Um, you know, good guy definitely would help, definitely help me out. On questions that I had, Uh, Marlon Watkins, he's a turkey dogger in Ohio, uh, old timer. He's had several turkey dogs. Um, You know, he he does a great job. Definitely answered a few questions I had. Uh, My buddy Dylan Mild, he has my dog's sister across town from here. We were actually running our dogs today together. Uh, You know, he's another. He's a young guy in his mid twenties, coming up through. You know. Um he's out there, you know, pounding away and, and learning just like anybody else. And uh uh his dog really, you know, really come along and he was like me, you know, he put a lot of extra time and a lot of extra effort into that bond and uh it definitely paid off. Um but really the the main guy, Brett Barry from over uh he's just across the line from me, you know, he lives about eighteen or twenty miles. Uh he's been probably the biggest asset to me um definitely not afraid to answer any questions uh he actually sat my dog for her first kill and it was probably one of the craziest things i've ever seen because the guy is a straight up dog whisperer um (laughs) if if you got a couple minutes i'll give you that hunt and please do understand what i'm trying to say on that um so he invited me over and uh we hunted his private property which that in itself tells you a lot about the guy and uh we took his older dog kenzie which is a rose dog and and a far off relation to mine and uh we we hunted this one farm and and they got into birds and it was a pretty good flock got the dogs got a great break you know my pup was seven months old at the time and uh we got set up and My dog just literally lost her head. (laughs) He would not sit. And there's Brett, you know, just holding on to her and uh, talking to her in a calm voice and laughing and chuckling. And we're both calling. And finally, I was like, Brett, there's a bird answering behind us. He's like, scoot around a tree. So I scoot around this big tree and I'm calling. And the whole time I'm listening to him wrestling my little dog, right? And yeah. He's just laughing and chuckling and <laughs> telling her to calm down. Climb with the puppy so in the woods. Deal. <laughs> right. And of course I'm losing it. I am shaking so bad. And this <laughs> bird is coming in on a rope. I miss this bird at 15 yards. Oh man. Yeah, well, in my head I'm like, "God, I'm getting my puppy her first kill and and this is going to be great." And I miss. So He lets her loose, he lets his older dog loose, and I'm apologizing. I'm almost in tears, you know, because I missed. And he's like, dog, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. We'll call another one back in. So we let the dogs run around a little bit and we get set back up at the same tree. Now, go back to what I just said. My dog is literally a tornado in this guy's lap, right? The deck set up within twenty minutes. He has my dog with her head on his knee or on his lap, as calm as a cucumber. Like, she's not moving. She's just chilled out. He's just laying there, and life is good. (laughs) Wow. And I'm looking out of the corner of my eye going, how the heck did this guy do that, you know? Well, then a bird answers. (laughs) Ten birds come in. Literally, they walk right up to us, 20 yards. He has the seven-month-old puppy, literally comatose, (laughs) just sitting there in his lap, no big deal. I make the shot, get her first kill, dogs up, runs over, and literally changed my whole aspect out on, you know, training the turkey dog. Because right there was the epitome of it, you know. That's when you got hooked, right there. Yeah, but to see that, you know, and it's one thing to hear the story, but to actually visu- you know, visually see that and see how it's done. Yeah, unbelievable, totally unbelievable, and there you know, some people in out my there. eyes. Yeah, in my eyes, honestly, he's he's the best modern day turkey dogger that I personally know. The guy can do anything with a turkey dog, and he'll definitely help people that have you know, trouble or, or get frustrated or stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, the guys I mentioned, all of them, you know, they'll definitely take the time. And, uh, I was fortunate, you know, I'm fortunate to know them definitely. So I would definitely put out any of my success that I had last year with my dog definitely is related to all the guys that I mentioned.
0: Yeah. That's some people are just built that way. I mean, we've all seen it in, in any type of dog, dog hunting world some guys just have that natural ability to connect with dogs on a different level and and it's amazing right. to see whether it's a turkey dog or deer dog or bird dog whatever and uh it's just like you just went through the guys that helped you out it's imperative that people help other people get involved and you know that we throw the word mentor out there a lot because everybody that's in it has had somebody else help them get to the point that they're at now. And, uh, obviously it exactly. had a huge impact on you as well as the context for us. And, uh, yeah, that's how you get people involved and you get people hooked and it's for the better of the sport all the way around. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: anything else before we wrap up, Steve?
1: No, I'm good. If, I mean, if you guys would have any more questions, I'll try to, you know, try my best to, to, to answer them.
2: Well, I think it's just amazing that, uh, that the dogs and you were just touching on it, but that they're able to go from a hundred miles an hour through the woods to literally sleeping between your legs in a bag. I mean, that's, we, we talk about having an off switch with our dogs going from, uh, the field to in the house. And it's impressive to have a dog that can do that going to the house, but to still be out in the field and turn the switch off. I think it's, it's pretty neat.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a, uh. I would say it's probably my favorite part of the hunt to be able to do that. Um, and it's kind of funny. I say that because I was so frustrated to learn it at Mm -hmm. first, but after, you know, getting to experience it and seeing how it's done, um, you know, right now, even with the bag trading that we're doing, my girlfriend does most of it and she's a, she's a whiz at it. You can take this puppy that's running around crazy in the house. And within 10 minutes, have it sleeping right between her legs, just like we're set up on a hunt. Nice. Um, and it's, you know, back to that repetition thing. And, uh, I, I got a good feeling that it's just going to carry over into the woods, you know, when it's go time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you'll have to let us know how this upcoming season, I know we you have a little wa- ways to go before you can do the fall hunting with them, but hopefully you get out there and at least try and enjoy the uh, spring turkey season without your dogs this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll be starting the fall in Michigan on September 14th. Awesome. That'll be our first fall hunt. Well,
0: already got it marked on the calendar. (laughs) The countdown's going. Well, Steve, we appreciate you coming on and sharing, sharing the world of turkey dogs with us. We enjoyed it. It's something that we don't get to hear about and very often. And, Again, thanks for making time for us tonight and we'll talk soon.
1: Sure, I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting.